It's Friday, March 31st, and this is Pennsylvania Legacies, the podcast series from the Pennsylvania Environmental Council. I'm Josh Rollerson. Tom Brannigan worked for the city of Philadelphia for 38 years in the streets department. He was its unofficial bike coordinator, unofficial because at the time the position didn't actually exist. In fact, when Tom started his career with the city, there was no such thing as a bike lane on a Philadelphia street. But by the time he left, things looked very different. When I retired, there were 200 miles of streets that had bike lanes. So it's institutionalized into the thinking of the people of Philadelphia right now. These days, Brannigan's spending his time helping to create multi-use trails in the city with the nonprofit Delaware River City Corporation, one of more than 70 groups that make up the Circuit Trails Coalition. We work collaboratively, we interact regularly, and more importantly, our small group becomes part of a much larger group that creates more leverage when there's a need to go after more funding or to get more attention to what we're doing. So it's a very positive relationship. The circuit trails are undergoing another growth spurt this spring. As the system expands, we'll get to know one of nearly a dozen new trail sections that are due to open over the next few weeks. That's coming up. First, though, look at what's been happening in environmental and energy news headlines across the state over this past week. Federal legislation introduced this week would release a billion dollars in funding for abandoned mine reclamation work across Appalachia. Republican Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell of Kentucky attached his name to the Bipartisan Reclaim Act on Monday, signaling the measure is well positioned to pass in the Senate. A previous version introduced last year in the House never came up for a vote, but it has been reintroduced in the House as well. McConnell signed on to the Senate bill just one day before President Donald Trump's executive order to dismantle the clean power plan which Trump says will bring back jobs in coal-producing regions. Many analysts disagree with that assessment, attributing the decline of the coal industry largely to market forces and the loss of coal jobs largely to automation rather than overregulation. The Reclaim Act, however, was crafted specifically to boost employment in former coal communities. And John Dawes with the Foundation for Pennsylvania Watersheds says there is plenty of work to be done cleaning up abandoned mine discharge. It's uh, heavy machine hire, uh, trucks uh, taking spoil piles to uh, deposit in deep mines. It's the residual jobs in terms of, of lunches and support system services that happen in those historically coalfield communities. So it's a multiplicity of jobs that, that come from, from this work and jobs are a part of the legislation. Recent estimates show that for each federal dollar spent on abandoned mine reclamation in Pennsylvania, approximately another $1.50 in private and public money raised locally and at the state level is invested in coal communities. Well, the Reclaim Act would tap into the existing federal abandoned mine reclamation fund set up in 1977 with money from coal companies to pay for AMD cleanup. Dawes says the bill would speed up disbursement of those funds in order to maximize impact in the near term without spending any public money. The really attractive part of this legislation is that it's not taxpayer dollars. The Abandoned Mine Lands Fund uh, has $2.5 billion in it right now, and it was paid for by the coal industry at $0.32 cents a ton nationally and has accumulated to that amount. 
Reclaim has been referred to the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee. The reintroduced House version is co-sponsored, among others, by Republican Representative Glenn Thompson and Democrat Matt Cartwright, both of Pennsylvania. We spoke about the Reclaim Act with John Dawes of the Foundation for Pennsylvania Watersheds in our February 3rd episode. That's Pennsylvania Legacies number 24. You can hear the full interview at PECPA.org. Pennsylvania's Department of Environmental Protection is taking two municipalities to court over disposal of wastewater from hydraulic fracturing. Separate lawsuits filed this week in Commonwealth Court contend that Highland Township in Elk County and Grant Township in Indiana County exceeded their authority by adopting measures to ban wastewater injection wells within their boundaries. The Philadelphia Inquirer reports permits have been approved for such wells in the townships. DEP maintains that state law grants the agency authority to regulate wastewater disposal. A 2013 state Supreme Court decision struck down parts of the law at issue concerning state versus local regulation of oil and gas drilling, but it did not specifically address the wastewater issue. DEP's Office of Environmental Justice is going on tour. They've scheduled listening sessions across the Commonwealth over the next two months, the goal to engage Pennsylvanians at the intersection of environmental policy and social justice. The Office of Environmental Justice was established in its current form in 2015, although its origins go back to the 1990s. It's meant to serve as a point of contact for people in low-income or otherwise underserved areas to voice their concerns about environmental impacts in their communities. The listening tour starts in southwestern Pennsylvania in mid-April, moving on to Williamsport and Erie later in the month, and then wrapping up in the Philadelphia area by way of Harrisburg and Allentown. You'll find the complete schedule at dep.pa.gov. On this day 38 years ago, tens of thousands of people were still awaiting the all-clear to return to their homes in Dauphin County in the wake of the worst nuclear accident in U.S. history. Radiation levels around the plant are dropping, and inside the damaged reactor itself... The Unit 2 reactor at Three Mile Island partially melted down March 28, 1979 forcing the evacuation of residents within a 20-mile radius of the facility for several days. Fuel temperatures are still dropping. Yesterday, there were no fuel assemblies over 500 degrees and only four over 400. The incident set the tone of the conversation around nuclear power for a generation, with often vehement opposition from within the environmental movement. More recently, though, as the technology matures and as consensus builds around the need to confront climate change, the tone has shifted somewhat. There is still plenty of controversy, but many environmentalists now regard nuclear as one viable component among many, making up a diverse portfolio of low or zero carbon emitting energy sources that will be needed as we transition away from fossil fuels. And in your monthly statewide bald eagle news update, the family of eagles in York County just got a little bigger with the hatching of two eaglets last week. The birds are the stars of an online reality show produced by the Pennsylvania Game Commission out of Cadora State Park near Hanover. PennLive.com reports the adults have been nesting there for more than a decade, but haven't successfully fledged any baby birds since 2015. Over to Allegheny County, where the Pittsburgh Tribune Review has been keeping tabs on an eagle nest in Harmer. It reports the birds came through the recent snowstorms in good health. Nearby on the Monongahela River, an eagle pair in Pittsburgh's Hayes neighborhood has rebuilt its nest in time to welcome a newly hatched eaglet. A windstorm took out the original nest in February and the pair's first egg along with it. The new nest is somewhat out of view from the webcam that had watched over them, but the site is still well attended by local bird watchers who've been monitoring the baby bird. 
And further north, a new pair of eagles appears to be scoping out a site near Marshall Lake in Allegheny County's north part. A biologist with the Game Commission tells the Trib it's not clear whether they've established a permanent home there, but they do seem to be spending a lot of time in the park. If the pair does end up nesting in North Park, it would bring the county's population of known eagle groups to five. Other pairs have been spotted in Crescent Township and most recently along the Yakagani River near McKeesport. All across Pennsylvania, local groups are working to build hundreds of miles of new trails each year. Most of these organizations are pretty small with a handful of paid staff or none at all. But increasingly, they're banding together with groups in other communities, even other states, to create something bigger. Philadelphia's Circuit Trails Coalition is one of those larger multi-party initiatives. It has dozens of member organizations, each responsible for planning, supporting, building, or maintaining a small piece of what will eventually be a more than 750-mile network spanning three states. By the way, Peck is a proud founding member of the Circuit Trails Coalition. Well, a week from now, Philadelphians will be celebrating opening day on the circuit, and this spring there will be lots more miles of trails to celebrate. The Delaware River City Corporation is behind one of the new trail sections that are about to officially open. More than two decades in the making, the K&T Trail covers just over a mile of former railroad right-of-way along the Delaware River. To learn a bit more about it, I spoke with DRCC's executive director, Tom Brannigan. We are a... uh a small nonprofit. We've been in existence since 2004, and we're uh, we're a strong partner with the City of Philadelphia's Parks and Rec Department. City of Philadelphia is the group uh, that will uh, own and operate the trails, and we are around to enhance the trails, to push them through design and to construction. The Delaware River City Corporation is responsible for 11 miles of riverfront greenway. It starts in the Port Richmond section of Philadelphia, and it goes north up to the Philadelphia-Bucks County line. So it's 11 miles of trail, and there are several trailhead parks uh, that either exist or that we will work with the city in planning and building. And there are a number of connector streets that we will develop to get back into the community that's been cut off from the river by industry and by I-95. And I gather that uh, among the things you do to not just help establish and build up the trail system, but also kind of to maintain it, you, uh, you're you going to be participating in the citywide cleanup event that's coming up. Is that right? Yeah, part of our, part of our mission is to uh, enhance the maintenance of the trail. And another part of our mission is to, to program the trail. So we have events on the trail and we have cleanups. As a matter of fact, there's a cleanup scheduled for Saturday, April 8th, and it's part of a citywide spring cleanup. Uh, It's actually the 10th annual Philadelphia citywide spring cleanup. And uh, we, along with many other organizations, will be participating in some form of cleanup. Um, Our focus is going to be in the Port Richmond section of Philadelphia, particularly Pulaski Park, which is right at the end of Allegheny Avenue at Delaware Avenue and the river, as well as the two-mile stretch of trail that we opened back in 2013 that we call the Port Richmond Trail. And the cleanup events, are they generally pretty well attended? Do a lot of people turn out? Uh, We get a pretty good group. Uh, We've made a really big press this year to uh, get out to a lot of neighborhood groups. Uh, We're actually partnering with 
the people of Port Richmond. Um, there are uh, there's a there's a community north of Port Richmond known as Bridesburg, and they are partnering with us as well since the trail extends up into their area. In addition to the public, we also have a cadre of volunteers that are made up of groups like CEO, which is an organization for training of ex-offenders. We have a number of schools that we partner with where we get high school kids that come out and help us uh, clean up and plant plants and so on. So it's going to be a mix of those groups that will be out here on April 8th. People from kind of all walks of life, it sounds like. Yes. What do you think people get out of cleaning up a trail in the springtime? What does it mean to them? Well, I think it's interesting. If they're first-time volunteers, they show up, they're not sure what they're doing, what we expect of them. But by the end of the event, which usually is about a three-hour event, by the end of the event, they realize that this is something that they enjoy, that they're outdoors, they're working on a recreation area that they're going to be using anyway, and we find that they they sign up for more volunteer work. So it's kind of an interesting uh, situation. Those that have been to previous cleanups, they continue to, uh, to sign up and come out. And this is coming up on April 8th, I believe you said. Yes, April 8th, and it's going to be from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at uh, Allegheny Avenue and Delaware Avenue, which is where the Pulaski Park Trailhead Park is. So, and partly this is in preparation for the beginning in earnest of the spring trail season along the circuit trails. I understand there's going to be several trail sections opening this spring right around the same time within, I guess, maybe a few weeks of each other. One of those will be yours. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty exciting section. As I noted earlier, we uh, did open the Port Richmond Trail in 2013. Uh, we've got another piece of trail that was constructed and is ready to be opened, and that's the K&T Trail, which stands for Kensington and Tacony Railroad. Uh, this trail is a uh, an old rail bed that is 1.2 miles long, and it extends from the Frankfurt Boat Launch on the south up to McGee Avenue on the north. It connects two Philadelphia trailhead parks. One is the Frankfurt Boat Launch. The other one is Lardner's Point Park, which is right at the Taconic-Palmyra Bridge. It's a, an exciting day that's coming because this particular section of trail was expected to be the first one to be built, and we're about 10 years into that before it actually happened. For those who don't know this part of the city, what does this area look like? Can you kind of describe it and talk about how you've seen it change? Yeah, the, a significant amount of our greenway uh, is industrial. Probably 80% of it is uh, is industrial. Mostly recycling activities, warehousing, that kind of stuff. It's an old industrial area, so it was thriving at one point. Those businesses have left and there's other activities down there now. It's also parallel with I-95 as it travels through the northeast section of Philadelphia. And uh, the I-95 structure itself is pretty much cut off the community from the river. So what we're doing is reclaiming that riverfront for the community. We get a lot of uh, excitement when we go to community meetings when they hear that they're going to be able to get to the river, they're going to be able to travel along it and enjoy it. And the sections that we've already built and have opened, they continue to come out and they they adopt them 
they help volunteer there. They really enjoy that. So we're seeing that change, and we're also seeing that other development is starting to crop up. We have a, a, an old industrial site just north of the Tacony Palmyra Bridge that will be the future site of a charter school. And we see that as a positive change to the area and certainly an enhancement to our trail system. So uh, we're excited about the fact that we're able to work with the city and uh, improve this riverfront access for you know the six communities that we, we have adjacent to our trail. I've heard a little bit about the plans to build a cap over I-95 to the riverfront, but what you guys are doing right now is going to provide access a bit sooner for parts of the city. Have I got that right? Uh, for the Northeast, yeah. The city has a section known as Northeast Philadelphia, and uh, Philadelphia is kind of shaped like a Y, and this is like the northern uh, right-hand branch of that Y. We are a bit north of where that cap is going to go, but our trail system is on the trunk line of the East Coast Greenway. Where that cap is is also part of the East Coast Greenway, so once all the sections are connected, we will definitely uh, be able to travel down to Center City, across the city via Spring Garden Street, and then down along the Schuylkill River Trail to the south of the city. So uh, it's all connected. It's all part of the, the circuit trails in the uh, region and more broadly, the East Coast Greenway. You're talking about the East Coast Greenway and the circuit trails. You are, as you said, a smaller group, but one of many, many working in concert or maybe in parallel at times to build this larger thing. I'm curious about what it's, what it's like for you from your vantage point within that larger structure. Working with the circuit trails, we are a member of the circuit trails. We're a member organization. So we celebrate every trail opening that we can. We try to get staff out no matter where it is in the city so that we can we can celebrate the expansion of the circuit trails. We work collaboratively, we interact regularly, and more importantly, our small group becomes part of a much larger group that creates more leverage when there's a need to go after more funding or to get more attention to what we're doing. So it's a very positive relationship. How long have you lived in the Philadelphia area? Well, I lived in Philadelphia for 65 years. Right. Born here, and uh, I actually worked for the city of Philadelphia Streets Department for 38 years. So you have about as broad a scope as it is possible to have on the history of the city. Are you seeing more people riding bikes in the city, uh, running, walking, using trails? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Philadelphia and the, and the entire region has really embraced trails, I think. Center City, Philadelphia right now, there sometimes seem to be more bikes than cars down there. Um, anyone that lives in Center City, it's so dense. It's very vibrant late, lately. They all ride bikes. They don't, they don't drive cars. I've seen that. I've seen the positive impact of trails on communities. Back in the 90s, I was the unofficial bike coordinator for the streets department for the city. You know, I was, I was fortunate to be in a place and time when we moved from zero bike lanes and zero attention to bikes to uh, a significant number of miles of bike lanes. When I retired, there were 200 miles of streets that had bike lanes. So it's institutionalized into the thinking of the people of Philadelphia right now. Well, Tom, thank you so much for your time today. Good luck with the KNT Trail. Okay, thank you, Josh. 
Tom Brannigan is executive director of the Delaware River City Corporation, DRCC, which will host the grand opening of the K&T Trail in just a few weeks. By the way, if you're in the Philadelphia area, we'd love to see you at the opening day festivities on the circuit next weekend, April 8th, for something special. Trail groups and users will be gathering at Penn Treaty Park to attempt a Guinness World Record for longest fist bump relay, which is exactly what it sounds like. We're going to try and pass a fist bump down a chain of at least 301 people. That's how many it'll take to officially clinch the record. So by all means, bring a friend. You can register and find more information on the events and on the circuit trails at circuittrails.org. We'll post the link at our website, pecpa.org. That's, of course, where you can read all about PEC's work with partners all across the state to promote conservation, outdoor recreation, water quality, and sound environmental policy in general. Past episodes of the Pennsylvania Legacies podcast are there as well, and also on iTunes, SoundCloud, and uh, many other places. You can check out our back catalog on the website if you're new to the show. If you've been with us for a little longer, that must mean you like what you're hearing. So please spread the word. Rate it and review the show on iTunes or wherever you find it. Mention us to a friend or colleague who you think might be interested. Uh, Word of mouth really goes a long way. You can, of course, always send your feedback, questions, and suggestions for topics to legacies at peckpa.org. The show comes out every Friday, so do check back next week for a new episode. Until then, I'm Josh Rollerson. Thanks for listening. Thank you.